Welcome to Do Better Media. My name is Billy Covey. If you like what you hear, or even if you don't, please subscribe to the show. We are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically wherever podcasts are being heard. And please don't forget the hashtag when searching for Do Better Media on your favorite podcast carrier. We will be off next Thursday, July 22nd for some quick show maintenance and we'll return the following Thursday, July 29th. Thanks for listening. From a cross-section of the education and politics sectors of Do Better Media, critical race theory, it is the buzz phrase in America over the last year or so. Critical race theory, or CRT for short, according to Education Weekly, is a 40-plus-year-old academic concept that essentially is saying that race itself is a social construct and that racism is not merely the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in legal systems and policies. CRT is almost exclusively taught at the university graduate level. So why are you hearing about it everywhere? The recent debate about race-concerned education and popular culture started last year with the release of New York Times Magazine's 1619 Project, a journalism project developed by Nicole Hannah-Jones that, according to the project's front page, aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of Black Americans at the very center of the United States national narrative. The release of the 1619 Project led to then-President Donald Trump signing an executive order which created the 1776 Commission, which was created to promote a patriotic education. The 1776 Commission has since been dissolved by executive order by current President Joe Biden. Some believe the commission was created as a counter to the Black Lives Matter protest that happened in the summer of 2020. In December 2020, the conservative think tank, the Heritage Foundation, released a report entitled Critical Race Theory, the New Intolerance and its Grip on America that surmised that critical race theory makes race the lens through which its proponents analyze all aspects of American life. This report has led to Republican-dominated state legislators to pass laws restricting and or banning the teaching of critical race theory in K through 12 school districts. To talk more about this, we are absolutely thrilled to have joining us today, historian, scholar, professor, and good friend of the program, Dr. Sean Kammer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, of course, thanks for having me. In your opinion, what is the biggest misconception that the public may have about what critical race theory actually is? Well, I, I think you hit on part of it. It's it's this conception that that CRT in some ways seeks to divide people, all right? That it seeks to, uh, I think, as you said, define people solely by their race, right? Uh, and this is this is a formulation wherein uh, wherein individuals no longer have any identity on their own, right? Um, and that's 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 sort of been the attack, right? The attack from the right. Uh, you know, in a way, I see this as, as just an extension of how uh, how the modern conservative movement really has treated any social theory <laughs> or really social science 
in general, right? Um, and, and you see this in all all different contexts where it, it seems like anytime we want to recognize the existence of social structures, right? Uh, these 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 um, community wide, right? <laughs> structures and mechanisms that. Uh, in some ways direct and in other ways limit people's choices and opportunities. They want to take any recognition of of society <laughs> as some some sort of denial, right, of of individualism, a denial of individual choice uh, or individual accountability, as you often see it. Um, you know, and and you know, I'm, I'm thinking right now back to uh, what what Margaret Thatcher, right, famously said. Uh, when she said uh, that there's no such thing as society, uh, you know, and, and this is very much what she meant <laughs> by that, and, it, and this is very much an extension uh, of of that same sort of uh, perspective. Why do you think the narrative about critical race theory that's been put forth by conservative politicians has caught on so much with their base? That's that's a really interesting question, uh, as, as I'm sure you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking right now back to, uh, you know, back to some of the attacks on on President Obama from from a decade ago. Uh, it, it seemed like no matter what Obama did, whatever policies he 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 chose to pursue, uh, no matter how hard he tried to appease Republicans. Uh, the the consistent refrain from the right was that he was divisive, right? That he was a divisive character in in American politics and in American society, uh, and and notably, this was not based on any <laughs> on any you know sort of radical policies that that he he pushed. He was very much a moderate, as as you know. Uh, so we have to ask, what is it that made him divisive, right? And 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 clearly, race plays into that right his, his blackness itself made him a divisive figure um but in addition to that re- remembering back he was also often attacked for being uh for being a scholar for being an academic right for being too professorial uh so, so i think i think the attacks on obama and i think the crt is very much in the same same boat they they're very um useful in, in tying together two strands that have really dominated the modern conservative movement over the past, let's just say, five decades. Um, one is that the right has consistently sought to uh, to feed and to exploit uh, this sort of white backlash, right? Uh, this white backlash to uh, the gains of the civil rights movement. Um, and that's been the case at least since Nixon's Southern strategy of of the late 1960s, early 1970s, uh, and in addition to that, the 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 right has has sought a populist mantle, um, and and for that to work, it needs an elite class to attack, right? It needs it needs an elite uh, uh, consortium of 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 people uh, to to. To point to, to that people can blame their problems on, um, and and notably they can't blame economic elites, uh, which is very much the core of of at least their their financial backing. Um, 
you know, the, the, um, you know, the chamber of commerce, right. The, <laughs> the, the low tax people. Right. Um, so who do they have? Um, well, they go after the academy, they go after universities, they go after professors and they go after the, the media establishment. Um, so this, this, this attack on, on critical race theory really checks both boxes, right. It allows them to, to play to the, um, you know, white supremacist, white nationalist, racist elements of, of, of their party, while also going after academia and to some degree media um, as, as, as pushing what they see as this radical, radical theory. Uh, and of course, you know, this, this was very much what made Trump popular, right? And, and really came to dominate uh, Trumpism, you know, beginning uh, when he came down the uh, the escalator in, in Trump Tower uh, back in 2015, um, and that's 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 been the the theme that he continues to echo even in his post presidency, uh, going after the media, going after a- academia, uh, always playing to um, you know to this to this white nationalist base as well. As an educator and a scholar. Do you believe that this campaign by conservative politicians to suppress the teaching of critical race theory in educational institutions is potentially dangerous for the country? <clears throat> wow. Yes. I, 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 that's another good question. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to make predictions, but I, I do feel the danger here uh, is, is real. Uh you know, it's it's easy to to be dismissive. It's easy to say that uh, because there there's been these attacks on on the university and on academic freedom going back right for as long as universities <laughs> have existed. There there's there have been these these attacks, um, and and there's sorts there's a sort of ebb and flow, if you will, in in American history. But they're they're always there. Um, so to some degree that that can give a false sense of comfort, right? Um, the sky can't always be falling. <laughs> uh, we can't always be on the verge of disaster, right? And, and we have seen all this before and the university system has survived. Um, but, but, and it's, it's a big but, these attacks have always been dangerous <laughs> and, and they've always had effects on the old people. Uh, you know, going back to... Uh, probably the last real serious wave that maybe parallels this one is is in the post 9/11 environment uh, where where academics were targeted and and some were were fired or or um, had their appointments uh, rescinded uh, based on their their supposedly anti-american uh, 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 teachings in the wake of 9/11 um, and 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 even more than that, the, the, this this feeds into a larger structure as well, where these these constant attacks on on public education on the university uh, have have also contributed to declining uh, to declining public financial support uh, for education, and and not just financial, but broader public support for 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 education, uh, and that leaves that leaves educational institutions vulnerable. Uh, and and the more savvy persons in, in the conservative movement recognize this, and they have recognized this. Uh, it was it was back in the 1990s, I believe, uh, that that Lynn Cheney 
uh, founded what became ACTA, uh, which uh, is the American Council of Trustees and Alumni. <laughs> I have to be careful using acronyms because sometimes, <laughs> uh, yeah, the American Council of Trustees and Alumni, and and her 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 mission and their mission was to to organize the donor class, right, and to to mobilize the donor class to to use their money methodically and systematically to put pressure on institutions in terms of who they hire and what they teach. Uh, and, and that organization is, is a powerful organization. It continues to be, um, you know, so all this is to say that, you know, the sky might not be falling, but, you know, we must remain vigilant, right? We can't be comfortable by notions of, of faculty governance or academic freedom because those things, are are vulnerable themselves. They're they're not they're not a given. They're they're things that must be fought for and and that we must continue to fight for. Uh, and you know, these 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 culture warriors, right? Um, you know, these these Republican governors when they when they go on TV or on the radio and they say things that might sound to, to an educator like me and, and to, to a well-informed person like you <laughs> to be just ignorant, right, and silly. And, and it, you know, it might be easy to mock them for it. And indeed, I've, 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 I've been guilty of that. Um, but that's not to say that they're a joke, right? <laughs> they are not a joke. This is, this is serious business and uh, it's, it's really dangerous. 100%, staying vigilant is absolutely the key. Dr. Mm -hmm. Sean Cameron, thank you so much for joining us on Do Better Media. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you have a wonderful program here. Here is this week's Do Better Media roll call. Number one, Burger King. KLKN Channel 8 in Lincoln, Nebraska reported that the sign outside a local Burger King there had gone viral. The sign said, we all quit. Sorry for the inconvenience. The mass exodus, it is reported, is due to the less than stellar working conditions at the particular restaurant, including understaffed shifts, extreme working hours, and employees working in the kitchen for weeks with no air conditioning, with temperatures there topping off at 90 plus degrees. The temperature was so hot, the acting general manager had to go to the hospital for dehydration. When that general manager, Rachel Flores, went to her boss to talk about the working conditions, her boss reacted by calling Flores a baby. Now full disclosure, I live in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I can tell you personally, the Burger Kings in this town are terrible. I'm surprised they're still open. Obvious sanitary violations in most of them. Now they just got a chicken sandwich, the Chiking, which isn't bad, which shouldn't be a surprise because Popeyes and Burger King have the same parent owner, Restaurant Brands International. But these franchises are bad, and they're giving a bad name to the king, wherever he is. Burger King, you must do better. Number two, Governor Mike Parsons of Missouri. The governor of my home state signed legislation last month that, according to NPR, restricts local officials' ability to enact public health restrictions. 
Meanwhile, the current hotspot of the COVID-19 Delta variant is in Southwest Missouri. Even as late as last week, he is on record opposing a door-to-door vaccine drive by government workers. Governor Parsons, this is your time. Your state needs you. You have to do more than just suggest to people that they take the vaccine. Every person who opts not to take it is taking their life and the lives of other Missourians in their hands. Is that something you want, Governor? Missouri is the show me state. It's time for its governor to show that he is worthy of the office the voters of that great state put him in. Governor Mike Parsons, you must do better. Number three, U.S. Olympic men's basketball team. The men's basketball Olympic team lost two straight exhibition games to Nigeria and Australia respectively this past week, going one and two in preparation for the Tokyo Olympics later this month. Although it's way too early to panic, the team is showing some signs of weakness, most notably the lack of a true big man in the middle. I have no doubt the team will regroup and win gold in Tokyo, but this past week has shown us it's definitely not a given. U.S. Olympic men's basketball team, you must do better. That has been this week's Do Better Media Roll Call. Thank you for listening to Do Better Media. Once again, if you like what you hear, or even if you don't, please subscribe to the show. We are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically wherever podcasts are being heard. And please don't forget the hashtag when searching for Do Better Media on your favorite podcast carrier. We will be off the air next week, July 22nd, and we'll return the following week, July 29th. See you then. Thank you.